0: What I want to talk to you, uh, this morning about is maximizing your right to prosper. As citizens of America, The Declaration of Independence says this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As Americans, we have certain rights, and we should maximize those rights, shouldn't we? We have the right to peaceful assembly, like we're doing right now. We have the right to the freedom of speech. We have the right to bear arms, and all the gun owners said? We have the right to remain silent All the felons said So quiet We have rights. The role of the president, the role of the Congress, the role of the Supreme Court is to protect our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's their primary role, to protect our right to live a prosperous life. Do you know since 1775, 666,441 fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, sisters, brothers have shed their blood on American soil so that we could have these rights? The figure is closer to three million for those that have been wounded and those that have been taken captive um, so that we could have these rights. John 1 12 says this, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right, which means that that the Greek for that is conferred power and authority. Jesus paid for us to have rights too. You see, as Christians, we're not just citizens of the United States of America. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And there are rights that Jesus paid for. Our right to joy. Our right to peace. Our right to prosperity. Our right to healing. These are things that he shed his blood on the battlefield for. Yet sometimes, in 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 the American sense, if somebody steps on our rights, we have a dying fit. But a lot of Christians don't even know their Rights according to the word of God. And, and the devil tramples all over them and they wonder why. They're not laying claim to the things that Jesus paid for. One of those is the right to prosperity. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have dual citizenship. Whether you're from America, maybe you're here and you're from another country, and your citizenship is in that country. If you're a believer. You may have citizenship in Norway and citizenship ultimately in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. We're part of a kingdom, citizens of a a kingdom led by a king who is benevolent. He's a benevolent king. He's not a dictator that just points and uses his authority to make us do things. He's a benevolent king that cares about our situations, our circumstances. So much so, so, he didn't just send soldiers to die on the battlefield for these rights I'm about to talk about, your right to prosper. He himself came off his throne and came down to this battlefield and shed his blood to secure our rights. And rose again to show us that he was who he said he was. Amen? Amen. Listen, if all God wanted to do to save you, all he wanted to do is save you, he'd be gone right now. He obviously has things that he prepared in advance for you to do. It says that in Ephesians 2.11, that that God you're God's workmanship and he has things that he prepared in advance for you to do at every stage of life. Whether you're in middle school, going to high school, high school, going to college, college, going into your your career, you're in your golden years, your young family. There, if you're still breathing, there's still more for you to do. God wants you to prosper. If he was ready, listen, This is this is Jesus praying in John 17, verse 15. My prayer is not that you will take them out of the world, but that you will protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God wants us to prosper in the face of this thing called the world, which isn't a people group, by the way. The world is not a person. The world is a system of belief that denies Jesus as Lord. And so he wants us to shine in that system as lights and showing his goodness to people. And, you know, when you think about this idea of of prosperity, I said in the first service. You know, Christmas rolls around. You know, the older you get, and you, your kids ask you, "What do you want for Christmas?" It's a hard question to answer, right? You're so used to the big deals that I get to give, I get to cook, I get to do whatever for others. That's that's the big deal. And uh, you know, they ask me, and I'm like, I don't. I'm like socks. If it can't be a Lamborghini, socks. You know. And and uh, the joy of Christmas morning is watching those babies open those presents, isn't it? Watching them see that bicycle or whatever it is they've been asking for. How much more does it bring joy to our Heavenly Father when He sees us get a revelation of something we hadn't seen? We unwrap something. We see something we haven't seen before, and it goes off in our heart, and we discover it. How much does it bring joy to His heart? God wants us to prosper. We want our children to prosper. We're certainly not more benevolent than God. And the problem sometimes is how we define prosperity. Psalm 1 says, The righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now that word means in the Hebrew it was originally written in to advance or be successful. And that doesn't just mean a dollar sign. That's not just money. God wants us to advance advance, and to be prosperous in every area of our life proverbs fifteen twenty four The path of the righteous winds upward proverbs four eighteen The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. The purpose of your life and my life is expansion. It is taking ground with our life in jesus name it 's advancement. How many of you want to see that have children or grandchildren? You want to see them advance. If you want to see them uh, expand their horizons, right? Come on! What do you think God wants for us? Psalm uh, thirty-five twenty-seven: Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And that word means completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. This is the things. This is these are other definitions of prosperity other than a dollar sign. It's not just about money. The great prophet, actor, and comedian Jim Carrey said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed so they can see that it's not the answer. So prosperity, God wants us to prosper, but it's bigger than a Lamborghini. But a Lamborghini can be part of it. if Psalm 112 says, I won't read the whole thing, but I encourage you to meditate on it, especially if you have kids. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Underline, the generation of the upright will be blessed. That's part of our prosperity. My kids ain't where I'd like them to be, but I know they're going to be blessed. God's going to bless them, because it doesn't say the generation of the upright might be blessed it says they will be blessed and I'm made upright by the blood of Jesus Christ therefore I qualify for my kids to be blessed and my grandkids to be blessed and I'm not going to let the devil trample on that right 3 John 1-2 is a scripture that has kind of been you know I I was a cop for 10 years and so I flip on Christian TV sometimes and I feel like Elvis I want to shoot it out Third John 1-2 says, beloved, uh, uh, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And I've just heard that used in a manip- manipulative way. Um, and not that I'm a perfect preacher, but some guys just really get on my nerves and I won't mention any names. But you know, the guy at three o'clock in the morning that wants to sell you Holy Land spring water if you put it on your head, you know, your life's, anyway. All right. If you're into that, great. I just don't like, it. but so th- they take this scripture. And they connect it to financial prosperity only. And the word actually, the Greek word for prosperity in that scripture means to have a prosperous journey. To have a successful journey. That is what I believe God wants for us to do. So prosperity is about advance, advancement. It's about expansion. Let me go around a quick checklist for you for what I think prosperity is. Part of that anyway is. Is having what you need when you need it. Sometimes you need energy more than you need money. Sometimes you need counseling more than you need money. You know, sometimes uh, you need healing for a family member more than you need money. So it, it, it's having what you need when you need it. Sometimes you need creativity. You hit a dead end and, and it didn't matter if you had a million dollars in the bank. You have no creativity, no vision for your life. You don't know where you're going. But it's also about the progressive achievement of worthwhile goals. Work is a gift. It's not just punishment. Yeah, toiling the ground became the punishment. But before the, the fall of Adam and Eve, before the fall of man, God gave Adam work to do. Name the animals. Work the garden. Work is a blessing to have work to do. Those that retire sometimes, when you find out you ain't got no work to do, you have no worthwhile goals to pursue, you're sitting there. It, it's a miserable place. I, I, I know. I've watched some family members go through it. Uh, I've got a 93-year-old granny that, thank God, she still is able to pray for us. That's what she can do. But she was that granny that did everything. Everything you know, and so it is really a gift to have work to do. It's a gift to—it's uh, prosperity to have work to do, problems to solve. It's the progressive achievement of worthwhile goals. Prosperity is about living with passion and purpose for a noble cause. Little-known scripture I recently discovered: Isaiah thirty-two eight. But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. Prosperity is about. Uh, Understanding that compassion and contribution are part of, of the equation. You know, I, I wanted to have a whiteboard because I was going to write this down for you, a formula. I'm not a big formula guy, but it, it's easier to remember. But prosperity, I'm getting ready to talk about the things that will get you there. Um, but at the bottom of it, if it was a fraction and underneath of it, I would put a two. Because whatever prosperity you have needs to be divided in half, not just about you and yours a generous man will prosper he that refreshes others will be refreshed part of prosperity is compassion for other things you're building a church if you'll build God's house I'll guarantee you he'll build yours you got a vision something you're pursuing give yourself to somebody else's vision and watch what God does so prosperity is understanding that compassion and contribution are part of the happiness equation so we have this right to prosperity and I could talk all day about it maybe one day write a book about it but and, and let me just say this about the things I'm saying this morning Susan and I have had one crazy, incredible, massive journey. And it's always we've always had dreams uh, of things that we'd like to do, whatever that may be. You know, I was, a, I was a hoodlum on the streets of Norfolk. My dad had gone to prison, and I was following in his footsteps. I was dealing drugs, breaking in houses, breaking in cars, been arrested a half a dozen times. But then I got saved, the Lord cleaned me up, and I got a dream to become a cop. Five years later I was one and I worked with guys that put handcuffs on me at one time once I got out there and started cleaning up the devil's scraps I said you know the best form of law enforcement is crime prevention I got to get to the heart of people I started volunteering for a local youth group 32 years old I had a heart to go into ministry how's that going to happen I got three kids two cars and the payments to prove it a house payment all that stuff how in the world are we going to do that well, I know God wants me to prosper and have a successful journey. I feel like this is what he's created me to do. This is the next level, the next step. And sometimes discomfort is, is part of letting you know that. And so I began to volunteer at that local youth group. And at 32 years old in 1995, I became the youth pastor at Hedgesville Assembly of God. My salary was literally cut in half, but somehow, someway, God made it through. It, and so what we're doing today with Life on the Verge began. We were pastors of a church um, in uh, Virginia Beach. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that story at the end of just how we ended up where we're, where we're at. But I want you to know that we are absolutely, we're working harder than we've ever worked in our whole life. But we're living the dream, man. We're seasoning it. I, I said in the first service, how many of you are like this? You, you, you go to a, a amusement park and you feel bad if you don't ride the biggest baddest ride. You know what I'm saying? How many of you go to Golden Corral and you, you feel bad if you don't eat everything until you're sick? You want to get what you paid for, right? Well, I want to live this life that way. The things that Jesus paid for, I want them. I'm not going to let people step on my rights as a citizen of the United States. And I don't want the devil stepping on my rights as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so we have that right, but we also have responsibilities. Just like Americans, we have responsibilities because of our citizenship and these rights. As Christians, we have rights as well. And I believe this is just a couple of helpful hints that have helped us over the years. You know, again, repeat myself, because I've never said it before, but I feel like Yoda sometimes now, just talking to Luke Skywalker's about, to people that have dreams. And that's who I want to be. I want to be a helper that says, you know, I don't know it all. I'm not the hero. You're the hero of your story. Where are you going? I want to hear what God's doing with your life. The breakthroughs where you didn't think you could, you know, you would never make it through, but God's faithfulness showed up. And so these are some things that helped us. I know I have a responsibility to develop a worthwhile vision for my life. Nobody's going to do that for me. No vision, no prosperity. What do I mean by vision? Vision is a mental picture of a preferred future. Where do you see yourself being? vision is it, it drives goals it drives your to-do list every day what is your vision it's not a big complicated word it's about using your imagination it's about saying well where do you want to go to dinner today you get a picture in your mind right and and i uh, lean over and I, i'd say to my wife i say hey I, I can see my teeth sinking into a number seven chick-fil-a sandwich after church we're going to go do it and i got a vision and a passion for it we're going to do it the picture's there i'm excited about it and then she leans over and says her clothes on sunday it kills the vision but vision is a prerequisite for provision as well. You can't, uh, you, some people sit around and they wait. They wait for the money to show up. They wait for the resource to show up. But there's so much you can do in the meantime. Bring it to the miracle moment with vision. Vision is a starting point of anything ever accomplished or created. God gave us an imagination and the ability to use it. There's three questions that I ask myself all the time. And I know I'm limited on time, but I'm... I'm If you're taking notes, you can probably get a recording or talk to Skip. He's taking really good notes. Three questions that help me with vision is I ask myself, what do I want to have? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Who I want to be will never bow to what I want to do. And what I want to have is never going to bow to what I want to do. Because I've, I've been down the road of having a job that I hated so that I could have things that I wanted to have. I'd rather do what I want to do and have less. The haves are very negotiable. And so this helps me with vision. But let me say this. That vision, when you get a vision, an idea, this is the hard work for me. I sit down, most days, my wife will tell you, I get up a couple hours before her or an hour before her and I'll sit in my chair or in the camper or whatever and I'll get my sketch pad out and I'll start trying to define where have we been, where are we going, where do we want to go next. And sometimes i only get a week, you know, or a six-week tour or what's Life on the Verge look like from here and, you know, our personal lives, what are we dreaming But I know this, that doing that that vision alone, getting a picture of you want to go to school somewhere, you want to start a business somewhere, that alone doesn't do it. You've got to stay focused on that vision every day. You've got to guard that vision. You've got to feed that vision. You've got to focus. You've got to take command of your emotions. There, there are times when bad things happen and you just let the dream go and you get distracted. You, you, we can control our emotions. God gives us the power to do that. And ways to help do that, to control your emotions. Because if you have a vision to do anything that's bigger than you, you're going to need God's help. And then you're going to sin and you're going to think God's mad at you so say He's not going to help you anymore. You don't treat your kids like that. You don't treat us like that either. But our emotions will make us feel Unworthy. And faith has got to rise up and say, I am unworthy, but I serve one that's worthy. And he goes before me into this thing. So we take command of our emotions when we guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Guard what goes into it. Don't Don't listen to news or things that get you off your game, the thing that you really want to accomplish in life. You'll never achieve maximum prosperity with your life. If you're constantly getting distracted, and I'm preaching to me right now. By the way, there are people, that, social media. My gosh, do you? I read an article last week that said that uh, the designers of the scroll feature for Facebook and Instagram they atten- intentionally made that addictive. The girl that developed the like button knew she was playing with human emotions. That we we love instant gratification. All, all of a sudden, I'm famous. You know, y'all like my pictures. By the way. But it's a big distraction. It can be. It can can control our emotions. We see somebody else's life looks like it. All we're seeing is the highlights. We're seeing all we're seeing is the front stage, not the backstage of their life. And we get emotionally tossed to and fro. Guard your heart. We toxic people. There's some people in your life, if you refuse to push, listen, there's people you cannot help. You've done all that you can do. And now they're actually poisoning you and your relationships and your vision. You can still love them, but you've got to distance yourself. We take command of our emotions by putting the right stuff in, not just keeping the the wrong stuff out. You know, I I read constantly. The Bible says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. First and foremost, I stay in the word of God and I renew my mind. What did God say? What does my birthright say? What does my birthright, what does the, the living will of Jesus Christ say about me? In my life, where I'm going, and then beyond that, I, st- I read business books and motivational books and all those kind of things. That are, I'm not afraid to get around people that are killing it, you know, people that are crushing it, that are better than me. They'll play. I'll never play guitar that well. I'll, I'll never preach that well. I'll never be that good of a dad. I'm, I'm not going to be let like intimidation. My emotions manage me. It's hard. I know it is hard. I fight it. You know, we all do. Somebody's more educated. Somebody seems smarter or thinner or whatever the thing is. We get. In, we're afraid to get around them. You'll, you'll never develop all that God has for you if you don't get around mentors and people that make you feel small. At the same time, there'll be people that are your mentoring. Focus on the vision requires, this is the last thing, control of your time. So prosperity. you want prosperity, you have a right to prosperity. It's not going to happen without you doing the hard work, getting a vision. What do you want? What do you want? God says, what do you want? What do you want? I'll let you know if you're wrong. I love you. I'll steer. Just start moving. I'll steer you. Up. Just start moving. Get a plan. Google that word in the, in the Proverbs. Plans. Plans belong to us. The reply of the tongue belongs to the Lord. But we're we're to do the hard work. So vision. Focus on the vision. We we'll never never stay focused on the deepest dreams of our heart. What we really want to do. And in God, all things are possible. But we'll never stay focused on it if we don't take command of our emotions and take command of the clock time what are you doing with your time what are you doing you can be gifted talented rich all those things but if you don't control the clock if you don't manage your and we have all the tools of the world today to control time or to manage our our, our calendars and whatnot And, and again i preach this to myself how much time am i wasting on facebook How much time am I wasting with toxic people? This isn't going to get me where I want to go. It's a daily process to get up and say, wait a minute, I have a right for a successful journey in life. And I'm going to give my all to it. I'm going to dream big. God's going to have to make it happen. I got to share this. I know we're beyond time. I'm sorry. Um, When I got saved in 1982, I was a mess. And so was this little girl right here. And God redeemed us. But in 1983, just a few months, I got saved in December, November, rather. In 1983, I took this guitar that my granny let me hawk her TV for to get out of layaway, and Susan gave me $15 to get out of layaway. Her name's Ginger. And I held it up before Jesus. And I said, I've used this for all the wrong reasons. Help me use it as a weapon for your kingdom. So my deepest desire all through my ministry life, it was to somehow use the thing I love and to go to the place where I used to live, when I was an unbeliever, I didn't know any Christians that weren't weird. I didn't know anybody that just would come alongside me and say, "Hey, you play guitar? You, you're into this? Hey, let's hang out. Let's get. To, let's go. You bowl? Let's ah, let's go bowling together. Whatever. Maybe that would have made a, a more of a difference early on. So it's, that's the heart of our ministry, is to get around folks and just show them the love and the blessings of God. And so. In, in August of 2010, this is August 26, 2010, I read the scripture that said, offer your petitions to God in Philippians. I was about fed up. I shouldn't have been. We planted a church. It was up to 150 people or so. I had a great leadership team. All I had to do was show up and run my mouth counsel people through the week but I didn't have to do we, it was a church plant so we had to set up every week and in the beginning I had to lead worship I had to buy all the equipment I was we, we were like the bottom line in the beginning we got, brought in people raised up the team and I was I was comfortable working for a mega church running one of their branches in Richmond but I was miserable because i had buried a dream I'd been feeding it I'd been writing songs but I was really really mad that God had not given me my dream And I sat down and I wrote this out. I typed it up. I said, okay, you want a petition? A petition is not just me saying something necessarily. A petition has got details to it, a real petition. So I typed this up. My petition, August 20th, 2010. I'm praying God would give me my mountain. To travel full-time on the road, but have a home and a base church. To play and record music, write and speak for a living. To give my kids and grandkids an inheritance of faith. To create supernatural opportunities for my family. To always have more than enough money for the task and then some. And it goes on with a few more details, but every single one of those things. I didn't open this for five years. They'd already started coming true. I had no idea that because we run a prison ministry, my son would be signed to Atlantic Records and I'd have influence in, in the greater music world. I had no idea. But I knew my, do- my job was this kind of stuff. Get a vision, stay focused on the vision. Do what you can where you are with what you have and God won't leave you where you're at. Why not you bow your heads? Lord, so many of us get distracted and managed by our emotions Time slips away that we can never regain. And I would pray, I know there are generals, Lord, in this room that you're calling to be leaders in the business world, leaders in the community, leaders through their family life. Lord, you're calling them to bigger things. Some of them have buried their dreams, some of them have written it off as impossible. God, I pray that you would stir up their hearts today to know that you sent your son to make all things possible him that believes lord help them to process this and develop a picture of a preferred future what they want to have you want us to have nice things what they want to do you want us to love what we do and ultimately who you want us to be in jesus name amen
1: amen did you enjoy that wasn't that a good word amen amen you know, I was thinking um, about Mark and Susan and the ministry that God has given them. And I said this first service, you know, Jesus, one of his very last acts of physical act that he did when he was on this earth was he ministered to a criminal. And my wife and I just totally believe in, in the ministry that, that God has given him. We support them. And if you feel like God's tugging at your heart and leading it, make sure you speak to them after the service. And, um, and don't forget that you have the opportunity to give when you're walking out the door. And I just want to thank you for being here. I want to pray a blessing over you as you leave here today. God, thank you for speaking through Mark and Susan. God, thank you for giving them the heart of their ministry. Lord, the heart to speak to people that are just not thought about in society, Lord. For giving them that dream, for giving them that passion, that focus. God, just continue to bless them. And, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here today. And, Father, I just pray that you'll stir a passion and a focus in each and every one of us, Lord. That, God, we would just be on fire to witness and to lead those who don't know you, that they would have a relationship with you. God, keep us safe and bring us back together again next week. We ask this thing in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.